You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is F-I-R-R-O-A-D-C-C dot org. Now for this week's message. Since the early days of the church, many believers have celebrated Advent and Christmas as two separate seasons. The first season is for preparing and expecting. At Advent, we look forward to not one, but two arrivals. First, we anticipate and long for the birth of Jesus, just as the Jewish people longed for the promised coming of the Messiah the king who would rescue them and return glory to Israel. Christmas, the end of the Advent season, is a celebration of that promise kept. The Messiah came, the Son of God sent first as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sin. But we wait still for him to come again, to return and make all things right, to take his place on the throne forever. At Advent, we prepare ourselves for that second arrival as well, with repentant hearts and joyful confidence that our God always keeps His promises. Come, our long-expected Savior. Is that better? All right. So... Most important, did you hear about my Christmas lights? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Clark Griswold's my hero. All right. Okay. Here we go. That stuff wasn't important anyway. Uh, let me ask you something else. How many of you are from a, a church background or uh, maybe a family background where you did something with Advent? You celebrated Advent, uh, so you at least know a little bit about Advent. Okay. Yeah. Not, not a lot of you. Um, you know, maybe some of you did the little Advent calendars where your kids would open up a, a, a gift each day. Um, but how many of you really don't know a lot about Advent at all? Maybe, yeah. Okay, yeah. Good deal. This is exciting. So uh, that was me, too. And I grew up in a good church, but I don't ever remember our church talking about Advent at all. In in fact, I think a lot of evangelical churches uh, have been kind of leery about Advent over the years. Maybe it seemed like a a Catholic thing, and uh, surely there couldn't be any good stuff in a Catholic church, right? You know, so I I don't know what it was, but but as I have learned and and studied more about Advent, uh, I'm realizing that it can be a great tool to use at the Christmas season to help draw us closer to God. And, and so that's a good thing, right? That's what we want. And so I've been kind of like, as I read about this, like, Advent, where have you been all my life? <laughs> you know, this, is, this is a good thing. Um, and, and so I'm a newbie to this, like a lot of you, and, and I, you know, I think I've kind of had my head in the sand uh, about Advent a little bit. But I'm excited to go on a little Advent journey with you guys this Christmas. Does that sound good? We'll kind of learn together on this thing? Yeah, I'm excited. And, and so, um, before I get into talking a little more about Advent, I just want you to, I want to ask you some questions, 
and you can kind of answer to yourself, yes or no. Is it a good thing for Christians to, to set aside a special time in the year to focus more on God and, and to grow in their relationship with Him? Is that okay? Yeah. Is it good for us to uh, get in touch with just how much we need a Savior? Yeah. It, is it helpful for us to wait on the Lord and, and to, to learn to wait on Him more faithfully? Yeah, of course. Uh, is it helpful to remember our, our hope in God and, and be refreshed in that hope? Yeah. And one more question. Would you like to experience more of God's peace and presence during the, the often hectic, hectic time of Christmas? Yeah, so you guys are all, you're saying the right thing. Good job. Okay. <laughs> Uh, if you're saying no, then we have other issues, but, but it's good stuff. And so the thing is that Advent can be a great tool to help with all of those things. And, and so we're going to head on this journey. So let's talk about Advent a little bit. Uh, it is hard to say exactly when it started, but it can be traced uh, at least to the 5th century to 6th century A.D., probably a little earlier than that. Uh, the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus which was the translation of the Greek parousia, which simply means coming. And, and actually, the, this Greek word that's used is the same word that was used to translate both the coming of Christ the first time, the Messiah in the flesh, and His second coming. Same word. Um, so Advent has always tended to focus on both these events. Uh, Advent is much bigger than just celebrating the birth of baby Jesus, okay? And so uh, it's a season on the Christian calendar. It, it lasts about four weeks. It begins four Sundays before Christmas, ends on Christmas Eve. So there's some variation in length depending on where the Sundays fall. Um, in modern times, there's often an Advent wreath with candles to help. And uh, we have that up here uh, in the front. Um, the Advent wreath didn't appear until 1839 in Germany. Uh, a Lutheran minister was working on, at a mission for children, and he created a wreath out of the wheel of a cart. And he placed 20 small red candles and four large white candles inside the ring. And the red candles were lit on weekdays, and the four white candles were lit on Sundays. And so that's kind of where the wreath came from. Eventually, it started being made out of evergreens, uh, symbolizing everlasting life in the midst of winter and death. And, and the circle reminds us of God's unending love and the eternal life um, that He makes possible. Um, overall, Advent is a time of expectant waiting and preparation for both the celebration of the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, and also the return of Jesus at the second coming. Uh, the colors of the candles have meaning as well. Uh, the purple color signifies seriousness and repentance and royalty. Uh, the pink candle is symbolizing joy and celebration. And so it reminds us that even as Advent helps us to kind of get in touch with this sober yearning for the, the coming of, of God, uh, we know that He did in fact come. You know, we can look back and see the joy in that. And so that's the, the pink candle. Uh, for most observers of Advent, the first, second, and fourth Sundays are purple Sundays for the candles, and the third one is a pink um, candle. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll light the white candle in the center of the wreath, um, which symbolizing the birth of Jesus and the, and the purity of our Savior. Okay? So those are kind of the basics of Advent. We'll keep learning about it. and um, There are, have been a variety of focuses 
over the centuries um, for Advent. Um, and really, there's not a right and wrong way to do it. This isn't a, in the Bible, it says you need to celebrate Advent in this way. This, this is a thing that's been made by people to help us draw closer to God. And, and so there's been some different themes. Probably the most common themes used today are week one, hope, week two, peace, week three, joy, and week four, love. And so that's what we're going to do. And uh, we'll start uh, with hope today. And so, like I said earlier, Advent is much bigger, much deeper than just preparing for the birth of, of Jesus. And that, not that that's a bad thing. It just kind of gives it a, a, a bigger and richer meaning. Um, it kind of helps put us into a similar mindset to that of the Jewish people who were waiting for the coming Messiah uh, for hundreds of years. And, and I think it helps us to appreciate the idea that, that Jesus, the, the Son of God, just came into this world incarnate in the flesh Um, and then as i said there's the future aspect that we'll be talking about too the second coming of jesus Um, so in the big picture here's what i'm hoping for us uh, as a church this christmas season Um, i'm hoping that we will all draw closer to god during this christmas time wouldn't it be cool to actually draw closer to jesus during christmas instead of just being frazzled like ah my life's so crazy, and we, we almost forget about why we're doing this. And so I want us to do that, to grow, draw closer to Jesus. Um, I'm also praying that we, we truly seek to soak in the, just the richness of what the birth of the Messiah means. And then I also pray that we'll all be able to just slow down a little bit and have more of a Christ-filled Christmas season. Okay, Wouldn't that be cool to be able to do that? So, I, I think we can do it. Let's do this, okay? All right, let's go on this journey together. Um, like I said, our first candle today is going to represent hope, the expectant hope that we have in Jesus. And, and as, as we look at the word hope, I, I think there's a big difference in the way the, the world uses the word hope and, and a biblical hope. You know, we often say hope in a kind of a doubtful way. You know, I, I hope that you know, they'll come to my party. Uh, I, I hope this happens. I, uh, I hope my team wins. And, and it's kind of just, you know, wishful thinking type of hope. Um, biblical hope is a hope that focuses attention on, on God with an, eager anticipation. It's not just like wishful thinking. It's anticipation. And, and if we can learn to hope in a, a biblical way, it's going to help us keep from being overcome by disappointment with life but instead be filled with patience encouragement and enthusiasm even as we wait and it's a a completely different thing and so hope is actually a relational word it's a great affirmation of of trust in god and not because we always know what what's ahead but because we know that god is completely trustworthy and so that we we can hope in him knowing um, we can put our hope in him so so here in week one of the Advent series, I want to break down some aspects of biblical hope. These are on the back of your bulletin if you want to follow along. But the first one, biblical hope helps us wait patiently. How are you guys at waiting? Pretty good? Yeah. Man, I'm terrible. Most of us are not good at waiting. I, a couple months ago, I was in Walmart and... 
you know, a lot of stories are, so I was in Walmart, you know, it's probably not going to be good then. But it was a, a neighborhood market, and I, I just had like two or three things, and normally I would have just gone to the self-checkout and done that, but I saw there was somebody that was just finishing up, they had a whole cart of stuff, I thought, well, they're just getting ready to pay, it'll be no problem. So I came in the line behind them, and all of a sudden they pull out this stack of gift cards that were $5 each, and it was like $150 of groceries. Um, Okay, this is not going to be good. But so she starts ringing up the first one, and, and it won't scan, and, and it wouldn't work. And so she's trying to punch in the codes, and it wouldn't work. So they have to call a manager over. And meanwhile, there's two or three people that got in line behind me, so I'm kind of trapped. <laughs> and, and inside, I, I, I'm just dying a little inside, and, and just trying. You know how you try to act normal, like you're not dying because you're waiting so you know I'm trying to pull out my phone and look oh I just want to and, and so the manager comes and helps her with that one and leaves well then the same process for the next one and, and so it just kept happening over and over and not that I was timing at all but it took 17 minutes for me to get up there <laughs> so yeah I am not very good at waiting I need to be a better waiter And so I read about a minister this week who had one of those same kind of things happen when he was in in Costco. And he had also been starting to try to do the Advent stuff. And I wanted to tell his his story. Um, So he had been waiting. There's somebody in front of him. He said, Then all of a sudden it dawned on me. I had one of those moments of grace in which God managed to slip a word into my consciousness. As I stood in that slow-moving line at Costco, I was waiting waiting. In a way, I was experiencing exactly what Advent is all about. Of course, I wasn't waiting for God to save me or anything momentous like that. I was simply waiting to get out of that store so I could go home. But nevertheless, I was waiting. I was forced to experience something that's at the very heart of Advent. And then he said, so I decided right then and there in the line at Costco that I was going to use the experience of waiting in line while Christmas shopping as an Advent reminder. In that moment, and in similar moments yet to come, I was going to remember what Advent is all about. I was going to put myself back into the shoes of the Jews who were waiting for the Messiah, and I was going to remember that I too am waiting for Christ's return. As I decided to let the experience of forced waiting be a moment of Advent reflection rather than a cause for getting an ulcer, uh, I found my anger quickly drain away. Waiting in line at Costco became not a trial to be endured, but a moment of grace. And get this, I even found myself thanking God for the chance to slow down a bit and wait. This was indeed a miracle. By the time I got to check out, my heart was peaceful, even joyous. I felt as if I had discovered hidden treasure. Wow! (laughs) Wouldn't that be great to have kind of peace in the midst of the the chaos that we're experiencing during the Christmas season? Um, I'm going to try it. I don't know if I can do this or not, but I'm going to try. You guys think you could try that? Maybe to say, hey, let's look at this in a different way. I'm waiting. But man, I can use this to think about God and reflect on God. Here's the thing. Waiting for the Lord has been a big part of God's people for much of their history. You know, much is written in the Bible about waiting on the Lord and... and. Uh,
So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to do things a little differently. I'm going to read a passage from Psalms in a minute, and then we'll read several passages. Um, one thing a lot of churches do that we haven't done much is kind of a responsive reading type thing. And, and so I'm going to read part of a passage, and then you guys are going to read together. Uh, and I just think there can be some power in, in reading God's Word aloud as a church. And, and so we're going to try that today. Our, our first scripture is Psalm 130, verse 5 through 7. And uh, the prompts will be on the screen, and uh, I'll, be, I'll, I'll play the pastor role, okay? And you guys can be the church. That makes sense, right? Can you see that? Okay, so let's go ahead, and I'll, I'll read, and then you respond. Um, the, remember, this is Psalm 130, verse 5 through 7. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in His Word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. Wait for the morning. Watchman, wait. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. All right, good job. I like it. Very nice. We'll do that several times today. Um, I, I actually think there's a, a spiritual discipline in waiting. If we let it, it can be a time of, of growth. Um, and, and learning in our faith. And so the psalmist was saying, Israel, put your hope in the Lord as you wait. Your hope in the Lord will, will help you in this. It will help you wait patiently and, and expectantly. You know, like I said, we live in a culture that doesn't like to wait. We're not used to it. But it can be a good thing. And so the, this is a season of waiting patiently. Just as the, the Jews waited patiently for the coming Messiah, and, and we continue to wait patiently for the Lord's return. So biblical hope helps us wait patiently. Here's another thing about hope. Hope helps us think big picture. Okay, Every day, details matter. Okay, We have to live life. There's details of life, and, and we have to take care of those things. Uh, whatever it is, we need to get up, we need to go to work, we need to go to school. Th those things matter. But it's easy to get stuck and kind of caught in those, those details of life. And, and so I think hope can help us think bigger than that. Um, it helps us get beyond the everyday details. And so we're reminded of that in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. And let's read this again. Uh, Therefore we do not lose heart... Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Isn't that a great reminder by Paul to the Corinthian church? You know, I think he's saying to, to the church and to the people, you know, you have troubles. The, this world is hard. You're, the church has troubles. But in the big picture of life, it, it doesn't matter that much. There, there's a, an eternal glory waiting for those in Christ Jesus. It's way bigger than any of these things. It's way bigger than the details of life. Um, you know, I remember when I was younger, people talking about 
their their aches and pains, you know, when they were older, and and you know, they'd say, "You just wait, you know, you're gonna know someday." And I think, "Oh, come on, this could be in wimpy." Well, now now I've turned half century old, and I'm starting to really understand what they're talking about. I mean, I'm I put up Christmas lights and I'm sore. I mean, come on, what in the world? And, and so. I don't really like it, to be honest. And so it seems like I have three basic stages of existence now. Sore, really sore, and broken. <laughs> and different body parts are kind of in different stages of those three areas. Um, but hope, it helps us think past the, the, the details of life, like achy bodies or whatever, sickness or, or things that we're struggling with. Hope is bigger than that. Um, and that's exciting. Amen? Uh, so biblical hope helps us think big picture. And here's another cool thing about biblical hope. It reminds us that God doesn't break His promises. Okay, we're going to go back to the Old Testament now and look at Jeremiah 33, 14-16 to see this great reminder. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. And at that time, he will do what is just and right in the land. It will be saved. So here's what's going on. This was a time in Israel's history when they were not doing well. Okay, They had strayed from God. And this, this book was written by the prophet Jeremiah. And, and much of what he did was just to warn the people that, hey, you guys, come on. Come back to God. This is what's going to happen. You need to do this. You need to repent. And they just wouldn't do it. And ultimately he said, you're, you're going to fall as a nation. And they did. They fell as a nation. Um, but in the midst of that, that tragic prophecy, there, there's hope for the future. And, and oftentimes, you know, you kind of have a double meaning in prophecy. You have kind of the, the immediate, what's going on then, and then kind of a future messianic connection. And there would be a time when Israel was restored. Okay, But it, it would never be quite the same as a nation. They would never be quite the same. Um, but there was a Messiah to come in the, from the line of David that w- could restore them forever. is a whole different thing. And also, and we see that. We can look back and, and know that, that that would come through Jesus. We can see that God kept His promise. You know, we've all had people in our lives that, that said, okay, I'm going to do this or promise you this. And, and probably all of us have promised people things and we, we didn't keep those promises. And it's hard, right? The next time they promise something, it's kind of harder to trust them. Um, you know, sometimes we'll help people financially from the church, and we just do it from the love of God. You know, sometimes they'll say, well, I can pay you back at some point. And, and uh, we just say, no, we just want to show, share God's love with you. Um, because, one, we, we don't want to them to to have to probably break that promise because uh, usually it doesn't happen. But, but really, we just want to share God's love with them. 
but all of us at times, there's been promises we haven't kept. But, but if God makes a promise, we know that it's going to come true. Okay? Um, because He's never broken a promise. And so, biblical hope reminds us that God doesn't break His promises. And here's another cool thing about biblical hope. It, it helps us truly appreciate the birth of the Messiah. So building on this last passage, we're going to look at another prophetic passage from the book of Isaiah, and uh, there's some really cool prophecies in the book of Isaiah. It's a great book to read, but this is Isaiah 9, 2, and then skipping to 6 and 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Yeah, let's read this together. Yeah. <laughs> Establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So when we look back at the Bible, we tend to kind of compress things. You know, we see the Bible, oh, it's this one book, but we don't realize how, how far it is spread out, the timing part of it. And so Isaiah was written, they think, about 740 B.C. And, and so 740 years before Jesus was born. And yet we read this prophecy, and you look at other prophecies in the book of Isaiah and other places, and, and it is incredible how accurate they are. And there's all these details if you look at them about the birth of Jesus and you think, man, how in the world could that happen? Um, such big things. And, and so um, as they're hearing this, the, the people are hearing these words from the prophet Isaiah, they, they would have been hoping that it's, this is sooner rather than later, all these things that they're talking about. Um, but truth is that it was all a perfect part of God's plan. And, and we can look back and say, wow. You know, we're, we live at a time in history where we can say, man, that is so amazing that God did that. You know, when, when, I, when I see a new baby, you know, I, I'm in awe of what a miracle a new life is every time. But you think about a baby, and they are completely dependent on the parents, right? They, they need help. Um, and you think about, that is how God chose to come into this world, like a helpless form that had to be taken care of. You know, ask Jordan and Janie right now. They will tell you that a baby can't do that much. They, they eat and sleep and cry and poop, right? <laughs> that's about, is anything, did I catch most of it? Yeah, that's about it. And, and so you think... Uh, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, was willing to come in such a humble way into this world that had to be taken care of by parents and, and could do nothing on His own. What humility is that, right? It's amazing. Biblical hope helps us appreciate the birth of the Savior. And one more idea I want to touch on, and 
And this is the connection that we often don't make at Christmas. And I think it's one of the awesome things about Advent. But biblical hope helps us look forward to the return of Jesus. You know, just as the Jews looked um, forward to the first coming of the Messiah, we can have expectant hope for the second and final coming of the Messiah. And Paul talks about this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. And I'm just going to read this one myself. So just listen to these words. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Hey, that's encouraging, right? To think about that. One day the Lord will come back and we will be with him forever. And as Christians, it gives a whole different perspective on eternity. We can view death differently. Holly and I have a close friend whose father passed away this week. And it was a massive heart attack. And so that's hard enough. But even harder was the fact that she didn't know if her father had a relationship with the Lord. As far as she knows, he did not. And it's a whole different kind of grieving, right? To think about that in that way. Our hope in the Lord helps us to, to patiently look forward to that day when Jesus comes back to bring his people home. And, and that's worth celebrating, right? At this Christmas season. Amen. Biblical hope helps people look forward to the return of Jesus. A couple more things I wanted to to briefly mention this morning. One of the things that has traditionally been part of the season of Advent is the area of repentance. And and I believe that is because often when people draw near to the Lord, uh, their eyes begin to be open to things that areas that they need to repent of. You know, areas where they've strayed from God and have failed. And, and God's forgiveness has been promised to us. Okay, but we need to come to Him in repentance. And so I'd encourage you as you, you take time to focus on Jesus this month, ask God to, to reveal those areas in your life that you need to come to Him and ask for forgiveness and to give over to Him. Uh, for some of you, that might be a time of repentance uh, uh, for the very first time where you just say, God, I, I want to give it all completely over to you. That would be awesome. Another thing I want to mention is fasting is, is, uh, has often been part of the Advent season throughout history. And at times it was required by the church. You had to fast so many days and, and it kind of defeated the idea of, uh, behind fasting. Um, you know, it's really not about being a forced diet or that kind of stuff. And, um, and so we've kind of gone the other way uh, in modern-day Christianity for the most part. We, we just say, ah, oh, we're not going to fast at all. Uh, we don't really like that idea. Uh, but I think we're missing out on something when we never fast. Um, 
And so I would encourage you this month to consider giving up a meal or, or maybe eating for a, not eating for a day or, or longer, um, just to, to focus on God and draw near to God. Maybe it's giving up social media for a while and fasting from that and, and saying, I'm going to push that aside and, and just focus on God. So I would encourage you to, to try that during this month as well. I also want to mention that there are many devotional guides and scripture readings available um, to help you each day during this Advent time. Uh, I have printed off one series of scripture readings from the Common Book of Prayer, and they are available in the Next Steps room. If you want to pick up one of those, you're welcome to do that. And each day, there's a, a reading from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And uh, so that might be something you want to do. There, uh, as a family, you might want to do some devotional guides. And, and if you just Google at, at family devotional guides for Advent, you, a bunch of stuff will come up. And, and so I encourage you to do that as a family, to take some time, special time to just set aside to draw closer to God during this Christmas season. And so that's kind of our introductory to Advent today. I, I'm excited about this Christmas season. Are you guys excited? Yeah. Wow, that's good. You seem excited. Yeah. <laughs> It is exciting, and I think it's going to be good. Uh, our, our worship team is going to come forward, and as we begin to prepare ourselves, in a little bit it will be for the Lord's Supper, um, but I want us to, to take a few minutes here uh, to just silently begin to think about and, and meditate on just the hope that we have in Jesus and just that expectant, patient hope. Um, for the birth of the Savior. And so one of the things that, that happens each week is we will light uh, just one candle this week and then uh, two candles, three candles, four candles. And so I've asked Matt and Chelsea to come up and uh, light a candle. So if you guys want to come up, they're going to light our hope candle today, that first candle. There's a lighter right here on the chair. Thanks, guys. So as the band plays in the background, let's just take some time right now to reflect and think about the hope that we have in Jesus. At the very end of the Bible, in Revelation 22:20, 20, it says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, we come before you right now with the hope and the expectant waiting that one day uh, you will come back again. 
and take your family to be home with you. Um, right now at this, this Christmas season, uh, Lord, I pray that we can, we can focus and wait patiently on the birth of the Messiah and, and that we can think bigger picture than, than just a, a, a baby boy being born, but just the true meaning of what that's all about. I pray that each of us will draw closer to you during this time and not be further away from you after Christmas because we're so frazzled with the season. We love you so much, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Can you please stand as we sing.